Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Dave, I promise, well, I don't know if I can promise, but I'm going to try to make sure this is the last time I'm not in the same voice over booth as you. I miss you, man. Oh, I miss you too, buddy. <laughs> but I, but I understand I you got someone very- This might be our sixth or seventh time like doing this from two different studios. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's cool. It's working. Technology's working. It's amazing. One other thing, I think one of our feedbacks from last week was not to talk about the the podcast itself. Yeah, it was, so it was uh, tell tell our engineer wizard Tim that I apologize oh, okay. that we will learn from our mistakes. Tim, so Dave, I, I I have to tell you, I've got I'm really excited about this interview today because we've got somebody in the booth right now who I've been really wanting to talk to, and we haven't had a chance to even really get on the telephone. We got on the phone once really quickly, and there's so many things I want to talk to her about, and I just said, you know what? We're going to be doing a podcast. Why don't we save all this getting to know each other type of thing? And let's just get you into the booth. And then we can we can talk about all this cool stuff that you're up to, you know, in front of the whole world on our Bowling Point podcast. So what do you think of that, Dave? I think it's great. Yeah, that's kind of that. That's the that's our <laughs> M.O. That's the way it goes. She's freaking out right now. She's <laughs> she's laughing, actually. So that's good. So, Dave, I, wa- I want you to meet Christy from Scout and Borough. Christy, uh, meet Dave. Dave's my co-host, and he's executive coach. And why don't, why don't you do a, a quick little introduction about who you are? Oh, a quick introduction? Well, I was going to spend the whole well, I don't podcast just talking about myself. And so, okay, um, a quick little <laughs> introduction. So, um I have an agency here in Halifax called Scout and Borough, and we work with mission-based and cause-based organizations and social entrepreneurs to help them use their causes to differentiate from the competition and make more money and save the world. So truly an entrepreneurial approach to the nonprofit world. Absolutely. Yeah. And what I'm what I'm starting to see, because I'm, I'm really jumping myself into this world right now, is the the thing that's lacking in the nonprofit world and certainly in the world of people who are just relying on the government to uh, you know to feed the finances of these great organizations is um, that spirit of entrepreneurialism I didn't even say that word right but that you know the, the idea of let's operate this thing like a profitable business and let's see if we can make profit in a nonprofit way and and uh, really support this thing. So there is a competitive thing happening here, you know? Yeah, it's a definitely a mental shift that's happening. And I kind of liken it to water and rocks, like not-for-profits and government are rocks. It takes millions of years to get them to do anything. <laughs> but water, we can just, as entrepreneurs, as for-profit businesses, we can just go with the flow and we can move. Um, we're very nimble. Hmm. And so we can go around things and over things and we don't have to worry about... Um, who is feeding our sustainability? That's a really that, that's a very cool metaphor, Christy. And hi, by the way. So I'm Dave. Hi. In the other hi, the other booth. Um, I can before we jump into to, to this little deeper. Tell me a little bit about your name and where that came from. Um, okay, so Scout and Burrow. This is it's kind of a funny story. We actually had chosen another name. And then we couldn't have that name. So ah. we had sort of been like 
operating under this other name for, you know, in our sort of genesis period, thinking, okay, this is what we're going to call it, and this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to do it. And then we went to register the name, we couldn't have it, and we needed a name really fast. And uh, (laughs) so there's a few... I do all of our biz dev and sort of like high level strategy. So mm-hmm. I always said like I'm scouting because in our business, you can't look for the client. You have to look for the decision maker that has the will to actually do this stuff. So um, so I scout and then it just organically said, okay, well, we have to dig in, right? So it's Scout and Burrow. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah, is that yeah. cool? I, I actually thought it was a throwback to To Kill a Mockingbird. It actually is. Oh, nice. And that's like one of my favorite sort of, when people say that, it makes me happy. Cool. That's one of my favorite things that's seen in um, To Kill a Mockingbird when uh, Atticus Finch is being attacked and little Scout like jumps into the fray and saves the day and she's 11 and she's like... I'm not beaten by convention yet. <laughs> I love that. What, what, and what, what a great, uh, you know, again, a metaphor to what you guys are doing. Mm-hmm. Something else that's funny, talking about uh, wrong names. Um, or we were actually day. talking about the right name. But. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, right. that's right. And, and you, were like, um, what, you guys were like water. You went, this name's gone, so you were like waters. You came up with an even better name. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I, I think the thing about the Boo Radleys. Okay. The oh, Boo yeah. Radleys is a band. All right. And Boo Radley was a character from uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. And when I was younger, because I, I played in rock and roll all my life, I started a band and we're like, let's call ourselves the Boo Radleys. Because, hey, that's a cool name, right? So, you know, of course, a day later, check. Well, we didn't even have the internet back then. I went to the local record store. Sure enough, the Boo Radleys exist. So I've been through it. Oh, you know, <laughs> I know. So, you know, we, we ended up being called Chaotic Disarray. So how's that? It's, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, it worked out. And I think, yeah, we're pretty happy with our name. It feels like the right name. Yeah. I feel good saying it to people. So I think it's, that's it's a really catchy. important piece of yeah. how you name your company. It's like, Absolutely. Um, I have so to live with this. It's like naming a kid. Like, are you really going to want to call them, like, Stardust when they're 15? Like, you know, like the Zappa kind of? Yeah. Sorry, my Zappa reference just went over, like, a ton of bricks there. No, no, no. (laughs) We got lots of Zappa fans out here. In fact, one of these days, we want to get Zappa on Zappa on this podcast. So, Dave, I've got a whole whack of things I want to launch into. But before I do that, I know you, I purposely didn't really tell you too much about Christy because... Um, really the conversation we're going to have is going to be, uh, uh, you know, kind of, uh, fresh for all of us to right. be honest with you. So yeah. And, and anything that you want to, uh, well, launch in? Yeah, you know, yeah, naturally. I, yeah. No, one of the things, I mean, I think what I'm, well, I mean, I want to learn a little more about how you got into this and, um, and then I'm also curious about, um, uh, you know, it's kind of this whole concept of, I believe social entrepreneurship, is it not? I mean, is that not what you're helping support? Yeah, for sure. I don't I don't think about it that way. I think of myself as like building a barricade in the French Revolution, kind of, you know, like that kind of approach. I think um, I'm pretty passionate about it. To me, it's a like a really kind of a clear road forward as to how we're going to solve social problems. And it's completely with business. I, I when I hear anything else, I just sort of think it's silly. 
<laughs> so, so, what, so, what, so what got you into that? Like, I mean, what was the, uh, you know, you, you talk about, um, you know, kind of coming up with the, the name and um, you're obviously, uh, you're very philosophical about this. You know, I mean, this is the core value I'm, I'm sensing you have. Um, wh- like, what, what, what brought you to this, this place where you, you, you know, you're, you're really going to throw yourself into this? That's so many things there's so many factors, right? Um, I think initially my parents owned a business growing up in a small town in Ontario and it was a social business, but we didn't call it that. That was just how we did business. And so they kind of got annihilated by the big box movement. Um, and so that was kind of like a a fundamental piece. Mm -hmm. I could see the difference between good business and bad business. Um, But I was in um, sort of, if you want like my brief resume, I was in, um, I studied uh, American foreign policy and was, you know, heavily involved in activism. And then uh, when I came to the Maritimes, I thought, okay, so, you know, I'm going to do international development. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and work in refugee camps. And then, uh, and then I saw the administrative side of it and I said, I'm going to go to art school because maybe I'll get to say what I want. So I went to art school, did the whole thing um, at NASCAD, um, was really involved in sort of trying to combine commercials. I did video and film and video and kind of creating social messages or kind of more aspirational stories in a commercial format. And, uh, and then I just decided I better just go into advertising because... I was dealing with conceptual art and there's 1% of the population is really interested in contemporary art and especially conceptual art, like a girl sitting on a chair in a gallery for two weeks, like not eating enough or something, you know, like these weird pieces and there's not a lot of access points. So I was interested in creating as many access points for the general public as possible. And then it just organically became advertising. And did you work in the traditional uh, advertising like agency world at all? I've never worked in an agency that I didn't own. So, no. Nice. I would say no. Yeah, um, yeah. Because you are an entrepreneur. Yeah. People like us, I don't think we're employable. No. I hate no, to say no. it. Actually, I love to say it. <laughs> no, I'm completely unemployable. And, uh, yeah, no. I, I don't, it doesn't, it wouldn't make sense for me to to try to work in an agency context because I would be the rabble rouser and getting in trouble and <laughs> speaking too much truth to the clients and all that kind of stuff. Um, but in my ad world, you know, like the my kind of how I moved through the ad world to end up at Scout and Burrow was that, you know, I was in another agency and I'll, it will remain nameless right now. Um, And it just wasn't working like the culture. I didn't want to sell billboards. I thought, you know, we can sell billboards and that's great and we can win awards, but we're not actually achieving anything. It's up for four weeks and it's gone. And uh, I didn't like how uh, the shelf life of anything we were doing was really short. And so, but I was always very interested in um, corporate social responsibility and how I could work, engage with companies 
Like my old team said, we need a car. So I went and got wind turbines. <laughs> and your team was like, yeah, uh, thanks. But you know what? When we went to the one of the openings of one of the wind farms, um, uh, no, I had this big, burly kind of mohawk guy that I loved. I loved him. And I, I worked with him and, you know, kind of like get all teary eyed. He's like, oh, my God, I'm a part of this. It's like, yeah. Totally. That's awesome. We're a part of it. And awesome. you wanted a car. Yeah. <laughs> so and, what and are you doing? So this is a great segue, uh, David Christie, to the point of why we're even here in the first place. So, uh, and we've got a little permission, Dave and I, to talk uh, a little bit about ourselves in these podcasts, even with our guests here. And um, so if we want to rewind to the beginning of Hemming's House, um, we started out as, like, I incorporated the company to be a documentary film production company for TV. And uh, our first TV show, uh, we went all over the world filming the most expensive luxury items. Talk about on brand, right? Uh, But it was awesome. I mean, like, hey, we were just, we're young and we're out of gear and we're just traveling all over the place. It was awesome. Um, And then we went on to the next series, the next series, but we started to realize we've got a crew that's building, we got equipment. Why don't we start servicing the commercial business? So we started building a really solid commercial in, you know, similar to what, you know, you were working in advertising and marketing world. And um, that was, and it still is, it's a strong business and it's great. And we're, we're at the point where we've got clients that we love and all this sort of thing. However, the core passion in the heart is original content because we feel that we've got the ability to make really good positive change in the world via telling stories using original content. So using our own stories to make change. Well, in a way, you're in a much better position to do that than I am because you have this long history in your company and you have these relationships in place and there's trust. And so you can say to those, I call them the dinosaurs, you can talk to the dinos and you can say, okay, like come into the future, hold our hand. We've, we've worked together before. We know each other. So you're in a good position to actually help facilitate change within the organizations that you served previously. That's a great point. And it's, it's, it's not even a, a saying goodbye. It's an integration. Oh no, it's, it's, it, I feel like it's this huge gift, yeah. you know, if, to bring them sort of a different philosophy because guaranteed 95% of your competition are not doing that. Exactly. So when we're talking about stuff that satisfies the soul, I have to rewind a little bit for Dave too. Uh, Dave, as soon as I'm talking too much, you just step right in there. No, no, buddy. Uh, Listen, I'm enjoying it. Go. A a couple months ago, Dave challenged me to revisit my vision statement for the company. And you know what, Dave, that, you know, I've said this a million times. It was really that little pivot point of me. I always knew I was going to pivot the company, but the vision statement made us really think about it. So we landed with um, a happy and kind world fueled by passionate storytelling. And really quickly, what my belief is, and my whole company embodies this, is that there's war and uh, destruction and darkness and fear in the world because people don't understand each other or know each other. So there's a lack of empathy. What's a great way to create create empathy? It's get to know people. What's a great way to get to know people from other parts of the world? Tell stories. And our particular type of stories are, you know, particularly effective because they're used with film. So there's nothing like seeing uh, a young child in Uganda uh, being, you know, you know, starting a microfinancing business in person with video because you can't take the whole world to see this. Then you start to have this connection, you know, and I, I think what Vice Films has been doing, like Vice, uh, Vice Media's first big documentary was uh, Metal in Baghdad. Did you ever see this? You know, I I don't want to go off on Vice, 
But sometimes I think they're a bit up their own ass. A little bit. Sorry, I don't want to be rude. um, It is really important to revisit that mission statement and that vision. And I think maybe they, sorry, now I'm like critiquing Vice. Maybe they kind of lost sight of their original vision a little bit. Yeah. When they start engaging with like what Fox Media, HBO. HBO, Like, I'm not saying it's wrong. I guess it really comes down to the strength of the leadership team to maintain that vision. Which is going to be a good segue in a second to this other thing that I haven't even said said yet, the B Corp little secret here. Yeah. Um, but going back to the, uh, Vice's first film, which was Metal in Baghdad, they did a documentary about the only heavy metal band in Baghdad. And it's not legal for kids to get together and gather and headbang. But they, they found that, one, that little community of, of bangers in Baghdad. When I watched that, I was like, that's the power of story because those kids are wearing Metallica shirts. They're wearing Slayer shirts. They're getting together. They're headbanging. They're crowd surfing, just like the kids back home, right? So the power of that, of seeing that with our own eyes, it was just validation for me saying, these are type of stories that we can tell to, to connect, right? So all that behind us, um, just about two months ago, I stumbled upon this thing called B Corps. And... Uh, Dave, this is where I really want Christy to kind of take off because B Corps is something that Hemings House is going to go through. We're, we're going to try our best to become certified. And um, uh, the only thing I can say is there's only about a thousand of them in the world. And it says uh, uh, prestigious of a certification as lead is in architecture. So, Absolutely. So why don't you tell Dave and I about B Corps and why it's so important for us to go through it and share the word. Okay, so I hope Aaron Emery in Toronto is going to hear this and he's going to think I did a great job, hopefully. Um, He's our B Corp fellow for Canada and he's a lovely man. Um, So B Corp is a new corporate certification that uh, I think the first legislation was passed in 2010 in Delaware. And Delaware is the state where all the meanest corporations in the world incorporate because there's no rules. So in terms of their genesis and their brand... B Corp brand story. I think it's really meaningful that they waited and they they really tried really hard to to have the legislation passed in Delaware first. Um, so there's yeah, I think there's like 1,100 in the world, 35 countries, 60 industries, and it's the only um, third party certification in the world that certifies a company all the way through their supply chain. So when you go and you buy a fair trade cup of coffee you know that that farmer was treated fairly, but you don't know anything else. You don't know how your barista is being treated. You don't understand their shipping methods, um, you know. So getting that B Corp certification is really meaningful because it certifies every aspect of the business. And there's four key areas and they're um, governance, workers, environment, and community. So we actually use the B Corp certification process to build corporate social responsibility policies for our clients. So it's funny that people think, yeah, I'm going to go get a B Corp, you know? And then I don't know if you've looked at the cert. It's Huge. epic, right? I don't even think 12 months is enough time. I, I, it's, I'm planning on, like, my goal is, let's see, can we tackle this in 12 months? And I don't even know if we'd even be certified at that point. We just did a cert, like, we offer that as a service. Um, at Scout and Burrow and we just certified a company and it took us about six weeks. Um, I know for us, because we had the will and we were really hungry, it took us about 10 hours. So it just depends on how 
what the scale of your operations are, how many staff you have, and it's all about that policy writing. Do you keep track of your pro bono hours? Do you keep track of all these things? And some of the, what happens in B Corp that's really amazing is the self-awareness piece. As soon as a company starts going through it, as soon as we start going through it with them, the lights, you can just see them, like it's blowing their mind. What do you mean, how many paid hours do I allow my staff to do volunteer work? What, what do you mean? I can do that? Of course you can do that. So it just sort of opens their mind up to new ways to actually create impact with their company. And then that's the that's where we kind of jump in and start developing policies with them and stories and initiatives um, to follow through. And then it's, but it's the follow through. Yeah, that's the hard yeah. part. And, and Dave, a couple of things I was looking at is things like a board of advisors, for example, we don't have one. Mm-hmm. Mind you, I do. You're, you're, you're one of them. I mean, like it's, it's, there's a whole bunch of things that fit in our company, but they're not official. Just like what you were saying. Absolutely. And Dave, how's this resonating with you? Oh, because well, you well, helped me, no, you helped me bring that vision statement to life, man. Yeah. You know? Well, that, yeah, that was very cool. But I mean, I, I, to be honest, I've never heard of B Corp. So I'm like, I'm listening. I'm thinking this is very cool. What I'm wondering, Chrissy, is like, how, how do you, like, how does an organization um, get to the place where they're like, it's going to, it has to, I guess, maybe let me back up a little bit. I think, you know, you have to, you said it about, it creates self-awareness. It sounds like it's a very educational process um, for the organization. So that means they have to be open to looking at themselves and re- recognizing that they're, they're not perfect or maybe far from perfect and they need to get better. So what, what's the catalyst for that? Do you think? What's the like in a, maybe rephrase the question. What's the catalyst for the client to want to do it? Yeah, like, or what exactly? Um, like, because like, because I mean, well, that's where the scouting comes in. So how do you? So tell like, me. I don't. Tell me about I, that. I don't. I try to qualify clients based on their desire to create positive change. Like. It's a tough business case for a first, like a company that has one year in, like we just turned one on the 6th of August and uh, we had our birthday. We just had a birthday and uh, we're doing pretty well considering we've been open for a year. And I think part of that is because of the nature of the work we're doing is that people are kind of, it's resonating. Um, But going back to to the client piece, um, it's really important to be uh, very upfront with clients about how much effort they have to put into the process. It's not a canned, we don't do canned CR, uh, CSR policies. We won't go away and do it and come back and here you go and give us our money. It's like, no, we sit at a table for hours and hours and hours and hours with the client working with them. Um, so it's really about their will. Okay. So that's how that's how we deal with it. Yeah, yeah. It's the will. No, and and, and, and so you you have an ability, obviously, in the scouting. You can, um, and and I'll I'll speak to like I, my my experience in coaching. Not every organization is you know ready for um, their leaders to be coached, as an example, because it's a process mm-hmm. that that does that takes a lot of um, introspection, right? Um, this is a, you know very very different, but but you, you do you know how sometimes you can you know use the will, like so you pick up on that. So what do you look for? Cause we got leaders listening to this. Like, what are you looking for in the leader of an organization? Like what are the, what are the elements? I guess flexibility hmm. and discomfort. No one is going to take the jump into, 
it's it's imagine sitting in a lecture hall with 500 people and everybody has the same question but to get somebody to stick their hand up it takes a lot of confidence you know to stick your hand up in front of 500 people and say okay i i don't know i don't have all the answers or whatever right right so with us with clients it's very much about um just trying to trying to we do a lot of coaching i suppose in the process. I don't know if I'm answering your question effectively. No, no, you're doing a great job. But I'm just trying to, because no, I'm just, I'm like, so here's what I'm thinking. Like, how do we refer people to you, right? And then, and, and, um, and as, you know, I'm going to use that scout uh, metaphor here a little bit, is, you know, you want to refer the right types of clients. So I'm just, I'm thinking as people are yeah. listening and they want to learn more, I mean, like when we, when we, and I mean, again, I'm using this coaching reference, but when people, an organization will say, we want to adopt a coaching culture and you, you nailed it, Christy. I, my question to them is, and I've learned the hard way, by the way, is do you have, mm-hmm. and I, I'm going to use your word, do you have the will to do this? Because you're talking about getting away from telling people what to do and, and engaging them and having different types mm-hmm. of conversations internally that produce different results that improve engagement. And then, and I think aligns with some of the work you're doing. Um, but, mm-hmm. but a lot of people say, it, a lot of people say it, right? Yeah, we love this. We want to do this, but do they really have the stomach for it? Can they really go through it? Because it's not a training session, right? So, so that's, that's, so if we were to set, you know, what, you know, when you're looking for that, I mean, you, you see it, you can feel it probably, but there's, you know, the, the you're looking for now. I mean, probably another piece of it, I'm just guessing I'm allowed is that they have to be willing to go through the entire process with you. And you're, and what I'm hearing from you is that you start up front to make sure, do they have the will to, to go and the strength to go through this? Oh, we're very clear about what's, um, what's required in terms of engagement on their end, but we're not silly or fluffy, we make a profit case. Yeah. Right? You always have to make the profit case. I think as soon as we step away from the profit, we become these fluffy hippies and the <laughs> the pure kind of dino for-profit community says, look at those, you know, look at them over there. They're ridiculous. You know, they think they're going to change the world. And it's like, well, no, I think you're going to make more money and you're just going to happen to change the world. Mm. <laughs> That'll be a byproduct. So, yeah. <clears throat> the... Um, the founder and president of Whole Foods wrote a book called Conscious Capitalism. They're a B Corp. And they're a B Corp. So his whole thing is like he's passionate about capitalism. And um, and his theory and his thesis, I should say, is that capitalism has the power to, to make all the positive changes on earth. However... We, we, in the past, haven't had things like B Corps and other organizations to protect capitalism, essentially. Now, I missed a point about B Corp that's really, really important. The, the, the really key piece about B Corp is that you have to change your articles of incorporation. You have mm-hmm. to change one statement. And it puts the rights of stakeholders over shareholders. And that's critical because in the U.S., if a company says, I refuse that work because it'll hurt the environment, they can be sued by their shareholders. So mm-hmm. that's what that's what kind of, um, that was the catalyst behind B Corp, mm-hmm. is that they wanted to make it possible for social entrepreneurs to not be sued by their shareholders for taking for for um, considering the needs uh, of stakeholders, and, and the reason, as I've been exploring, is a lot of a lot of startup companies have really good ambition, really good vision, and uh, are great stewards of the environment and for social, uh, you know, and community and whatnot. But as they grow, as they get investors, shareholders, 
the power to make great decisions um, lessens. And you're right. It's the legal obligation of a corporation is to serve the uh, the, the health of the of the shareholder. That's Care a profit. legal. Uh, and that's why you're saying the, uh, the, the things have to change. So for me. This is why, you know, we've been incorporated for seven years. I've been in the business much longer. Um, I feel the Hemings House is now at the point where um, we could easily be bringing investors in to take this company to the next level. Mm. However, um, I wouldn't really probably have as much freedom to become a B Corp a year down the road if I had shareholders that didn't get it, as an example. Absolutely. And, you know, I've, I'm really interested. One of the other things we do is we really look at, um, we have a funding expert who's a partner. So he's one of our kind of founding partners. And uh, any client we're going to work with, we run it by him. Okay, so this company does tech and social and they need these things. And then he goes to find the pockets of money so that they can pay for it. Um, and we've been really kind of interested in the VC world and the impact investing world in particular. Um, it's, you know, the, the, what I have gathered talking to people in new England, B Corp is a, right now it's still a little bit of a, like, don't like, I'm a little cro like cross here. Like, no, like they don't want it because they don't understand it. So I think it, it is more suitable for companies that aren't looking for investment, um, which is too bad, and it'll change. You know, well, it's, it, we talk about in this podcast. We all of our guests are either entrepreneurs, movement makers, or disruptors. So this is an ultimate disruptor. Like this is changing yeah. the way corporations, um, the, the backbone of corporations, essentially it's, it's empowering corporations and people with vision to actually stay true to their, their, their mission, which I think is the scariest part of going public. You could build the most beautiful, amazing company. Once it goes public, you've lost control of, of its vision and mission. But there's something else, like I mentioned earlier, you know, I was going to go work in refugee camps and that's not off the table. And I feel like with some of the companies we're trying to engage with, we're making the profit case. Oh, you could serve oil and gas or you could serve refugee camps. You're going to make a billion dollars no matter where you go. It's just the what kind of how do you want to make your money? Um, because we're seeing this kind of revolution in the way we're doing everything, especially with the social enterprise world, with the nonprofits and the charities kind of coming into the for-profit world um, and engaging on that level with profit and seeing it not as a dirty thing. But, uh, you know, I, I kind of joke around and I liken myself maybe a little bit to a futurist and I'm really interested in the long game. I'm really interested in looking 20 years down the road and what do we have to do now? Mm -hmm. um, and we don't work on like a four-year political cycle in terms of our strategies with clients. We just completely, Critical. it's so silly, it's so short-sighted, and it's a way to diminish profits at, at any rate, I think. Um, so, you know, we're trying to make those... We're trying to open the eyes of our clients to potential market expansion that they would never have thought of. Um, and if you look at, you know, with refugee camps, people think I'm crazy sometimes, but 18% of the world's population will be in a refugee camp in 2030. That's wow. the stat, 18%. It's ridiculous. So this is a massive growing market. So we can serve oil and gas or we can serve the reduction of suffering. Take your pick. You're going to make money either way. 
So that's kind of the approach we have to working with clients. I like how you say that because uh, quite some time ago, uh, Sir Richard Branson and Kevin O'Leary came to New Brunswick. Were you okay, there? I'm gonna, you uh, know, I, I, if we I, have I, time I, at the end, <laughs> I'd like to go on a little rant about how Kevin O'Leary has totally destroyed okay. my life. Well, you're but gonna, anyway, you're gonna like this. So I, I, ended up, <laughs> I ended up writing a blog, and, and Progress Magazine read the blog. I said, "Greg, can you do an article version of this so you can find it online?" Um, and all you have to do is Google search Greg Hemmings, um, Kevin O'Leary, Richard Branson. It'll pop up. So. Richard and Kevin were on after each other, but I highly doubt they listened to each other's talk, right? Um, so Kevin came on first and it was just profit, 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 profit. And it was all about stomp on whatever you need to stomp on to get to the top. And the the, the point that I just absolutely loved, that I totally tore him apart on in this blog was if you can't fire your own mo- mother because she's not adding to the bottom line, then you you need to quit. And here's the part that drove me nuts. The whole audience started clapping. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. So then let's just change scenes for a second. Half hour later, Branson comes on and he's talking about a collaborative approach with his team members. And uh, if somebody doesn't work in their position, he will find, uh, you know, the culture is, it's just a different culture. I'm not saying what's better or worse. It's just for me, I grooved far closer to Branson's message of if, if your mom's not making profit, let's find another place for her so she can support the organization. So I made this, um, this, uh, this article and it said, both of them are making a billion dollars. They're both billionaires, right? So you can choose. This is exactly the same thing as you just said. You can choose. You can make a billionaire or you become a billionaire by, by creating death and destruction and fear, or you can become a billionaire by, uh, you know, uh, adding to life mm-hmm. and to, uh, excitement mm-hmm. and, to, and to growth and health. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just, I love the parallel there. And because we can, we can become billionaires doing this stuff. Oh yeah. And it's so funny. And just as a little side, my last name is O'Leary. So I'm Christy O'Leary and it's a total, like it was amazing until like six years ago. And now it's just, it's just crazy. Like all I hear, oh, Kevin O'Leary. It's like, yeah, I get it. I get it. And I'm a social entrepreneur and this guy is like, I would fight, I would challenge him to a cage match. Okay. Kevin O'Leary, if you hear oh this, I want to challenge you to a cage. <laughs> oh, with you. Cubicle That's of the Cage, uh, season two. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Christy, our, no, but- Christy, our last guest was uh, uh, the guy from Cubicle to the Cage talking about fighting. So this is just a beautiful, uh, oh, no. beautiful um, no. build on that. I love it. I now love I'm it. really going to have to do this. You might. Oh, you know no. what? There might, I see a reality show around. This is great. Hey, I got can I Can I ask you about, like you talk about being a futurist um, and, and congrats. Congratulations, yeah. by the way. One year in. Well done. I mean, it's... Um, Thanks. You're living we've it. We've done a lot. Yeah, we've done a lot in a year. Yeah, well, so. I bet. And and, well, you, and, you're, and and we know, both of us have a very clear picture of what it takes to get through year one. And um, so, but you're through it. So then as you look, and, you, and I tap into your, you know, you being a futurist. So we're, so we're, we get you back on this and we're, it's 2025, okay? Um, mm-hmm. What's happening now for Scout and Bureau? Oh, in 2025, what's happening now for Scout and Burrow? Yeah. Um, well, we haven't thought as far as 2025 yet because we were struggling through year one. But um, we've been talking about a pod system, developing some kind of a pod system so that because all of our clients aren't going to be in the Maritimes. We think the Maritimes is ripe for a revolution in business and um, in thinking. Um, and it's already happening. And, and <laughs> 
kudos to everybody in New Brunswick because you guys are really ahead of the curve, I think. You know, That's I, good to hear. Absolutely. But I, we've talked about developing a pod system so that we're going to go, we build teams based on um, a client's need and then we go solve a social problem somewhere. Hmm. Um, and we think that might be a really effective way for us to do things, especially because now we're starting to engage with lead generation and sales for clients because when the market keeps asking for something, you know, we believe in our clients. And so when they come to us and they say, we're having a hard time selling our stuff, but you're good at selling our stuff. So we think it's okay for us to engage with them on that level. Um, and it's totally new and it's just beginning. So we'll see how it goes. I think it's gonna go really well. I don't see a problem. Um, 2025. When I th when I hear 2025, I think, okay, so we've come through peak oil. We've come through, um, or we're probably in the midst of like major water shortages. I'm not, I don't have any illusions about uh, the world being perfect. Mm -hmm. We're sort of at the beginning of it, I think. Do you think this, this, this movement though, it, let's just say Atlanta Canada alone, you, and by the way, they are the very first uh, B Corp marketing agency hmm. in the world. That's pretty kick. -ass. Well, not in the world. In in there's a f there's a few others, um, but we know them, and we're kind of a lot of them. We're kind of we have relationships, and yeah, you're at the cutting edge of this this movement. So, is this movement going to explode in Atlanta, Canada, in in ten years? I think so, and I think a really big part of it is uh, Jerry Pond and the Pondish Pondy Center. Hmm. I just finished their accelerator, and as a someone in my particular position sitting back and listening to seven social entrepreneurs talk about their struggles and um, how they reconcile profit and mission and impact and all these things. It was just like being a fly on a wall in the, the best meeting ever. <laughs> For me, it was, it was like uh, the most, it, it was just the best kind of like market research, I suppose. But I think that there's a lot of brains in New Brunswick that are really trying to figure it out. And can I tell you just something really interesting about what you just said? And Dave, you're going to validate this, I know. Um, Jerry Pond, <clears throat> for anybody outside of Atlanta, Canada, or Canada doesn't know Jerry Pond, do a very quick Google search. Everything comes clear. He came out of a, an extremely for-profit company called NBTEL. And that company was the leader of innovation on earth in the telecom world back then when he was leading it. When he left, he left with uh, a package as every senior VP or, or president would. And he decided to reinvest that into a couple of different companies. And we see the tree happening. Q1 Labs, Radiant 6, um, uh, now... The, 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 smart, I, I, skin, smart Skin, and uh, everybody, yeah. All these guys have... And, and this all came from a, a pyramid of Jerry on the top. So I think a takeaway to this, which is exciting, mm -hmm. is if we can encourage more of the big for-profit dinosaur styles to be more like, like Jerry. Yeah. Because I think you can trace almost every good news story back to Jerry. We need a million Jerrys. Well, in we Atlanta, do. Canada, we need a thousand Jerrys. And all the Nova Scotians listening, if you are our Jerry, we would love if you would step forward and become our Jerry because we need one in Nova Scotia. Well, do you know who you've got? You've got the guys at Volta. You've got... Um, it's a different, but that's different. It's but in a, the future, it, they might, yeah. There's a strong startup culture in Nova Scotia, but it's still very siloed. You're social. You're over there. You're a hippie. We're pure profit startups. Like the, it's 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 a different. There isn't a champion saying we have to combine the two. 
Interesting. Yeah. So wow. I, I didn't really even realize that about Nova Scotia. So no, it's cool, it's cool to hear the, that, Dave. You know, yeah, well, New Brunswick. I, 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 we get pooped on all the time, right? So it's oh, kind of no. nice to hear stuff like this. We're clearly right? in, no, in the I right just, province. I, I love spent it. so much time there. Oh, sorry. I spent so much time there during the accelerator, and I loved it. I would go to Fredericton, and I loved it. And I go to Planet Hatch, and just like just salivating over the space and the people and the energy. And yeah, we have a Volta, but it's not a Planet Hatch and it's not a PDC. And I don't want to like offend anybody, but I'm going <laughs> to, it's my opinion. I, a friend gave me a shirt many years ago and it just said in little letters, in my opinion, uh, <laughs> because I have so many of them. Um, so yeah, w- we just need more champions but that's a really that's a critical piece is that someone was willing to step up and use their you know he put his money where his mouth was and it's also it's not just Jerry it's Deshpande too right and so it's that sort of synergy between the two of them and it seems like Desh is a little further down his social mission road but you know I had this really wonderful experience with Jerry Pond a few months ago and uh, we were at uh, the Venture Forum, and I see him, and I know everybody wants to talk to Jerry. They're trying to shake the Jerry tree, right? Everybody wants it. So I'm not a joiner, and I don't, I don't want to irritate people or whatever. And so we ended up in a nice little conversation. And he was talking about why he invests in companies. And he, you know, he's still playing in the, so he's still trying to figure out the social space, and he's interested. But he said, you know, really, it comes down to integrity. But it feels like there's so much integrity in the social space. You can't, it can't be denied. So, um, yeah, I'm a big Jerry fan. I don't I don't go harassing him, but I'm a big Jerry fan. So, I kind of Dave. Guess. Dave, you, you've had him on Leadership Unleashed. Yeah, yeah, no, he's he's well. You know what's wonderful about this man is um, he's extremely successful, as the three of us know. Um, you know, financially and otherwise, and he is. Uh, incredibly giving of his time and his energy, and it's um, it's a, he's a real. Uh, I think he's a very a great role model in terms of mm-hmm. um, doing, being, uh, doing and being. You know those two pieces. I just I just think are brilliant. So that's what you're describing. Um, so yeah, yeah. He, 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 he but he tells the truth, right? There's no sugarcoating with Jerry. There's no nonsense. He tells the truth. He I've been on the receiving mind. end of that. <laughs> and you know what? If you have, it's because he cares, yeah, right? And so, like, I think that's fantastic because we're locked in this weird sort of, like, media and political world where everybody's afraid to say what they think. So he's that guy that's took it, stuck his hand up. Well, and Christy, you know? Christy, clearly you have to work more at that yourself, right? Saying what you really, really mean. <laughs> I say that in yeah, jest. I'm gonna get like I, I have this. I, I have this. I have this sense, Christy, that <laughs> this may be one of our most downloaded podcasts. You are doing what uh, Dino Greg told us, who's yeah. who's a fabulous uh, uh, podcaster. Four, yeah, is about be you know is is be polarizing. Have a point of view, and uh, and as I'm I've listening so many to times. you, I'm thinking, <laughs> oh my God, she's doing it. Well done. So yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, we're yeah. not for everyone. No, but. We're we're not for everyone. We're not going to greenwash. We're not going to social wash. But you know, the companies, the the companies, and the the entrepreneurs that engage with us, um, I think that they, through the process, they are changed, and I think that their eyes are open. They had this feeling. They have this feeling in their gut that they can be better or something can change. Um, and our only job is to help them. Create 
create their own vision. Mm. So not to sound too ridiculous, but we do, when I feel really confident, I say, you know, we're a vision brokerage. We're not, you know, marketing is one of these words that's kind of gross and, you know, and like what you're trying to sell me something and stop selling me stuff. And so. um, But when you're talking about marketing as getting someone to market, the the true root of the word marketing, that makes sense. Advertising and marketing are two different things. For sure. But the whole, it's this messy kind of sloppy world right now of marketing and advertising and social this and social that and there's all these buzzwords and to me it's like let's cut the shit and let's just get things done and be effective Mm -hmm. so (laughs) okay well on that note we're coming close to an end so what we do now is um believe it or not it's um (laughs) it's like three hours now have gone by no we uh, dave and i do uh, a recap kind of a lessons learned and uh, for for the unfortunate guests who are on the phone we usually hang up on them for the fortunate guests who are in the hot sticky uh, VO booths they get to hang out with us and listen to us talk about them not behind their back um, before we do that uh, it's tradition to allow uh, not allow but encourage you to let people know how to get you know, follow uh, any social f- uh, feeds or how do they get in touch with you? Okay, well, scoutandborough.ca is where we live online. Um, follow our Twitter, Scout and Borough. Um, I have my own personal, both, all of our team have their own sort of personal handles, but we try to keep all of our Scout and Borough on Scout and Borough. We're easy to find. Um, but I guess if I get a last word here, oh, you totally do. Um, I think it's really important for anybody that has that gut feeling that I talked about earlier, like that kind of discomfort um, to just chase it, run with it. Like, don't that's the kind of stuff that'll give you cancer, <laughs> you know, like that's the kind of stuff that makes you really unhappy. And that's the like the seat of regret is that. discomfort knowing you can be better so just don't be afraid to step outside normal and join the movement and actually be a better company and an aside you'll just make more money I love it it. so Dave good wrap up I'm going to send it to you first man like lessons learned or takeaways Takeaways, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I like the I like the concept of the you know, and, and I have a company called Vision Coaching, so I like the Vision Brokerage, right? I love uh, the, the the concept, and and um, you know, I've just been enlightened. I got to say, I had no knowledge of B Corp um, and the importance of it. So, you know, it's great to hear someone out championing this and that's saying we can do. Uh, I guess a big takeaway for me, and I and I. By the way, I totally agree with it. Um, I, I remember days where people would say, "Dave, you're, you know, be careful getting into business. It's mean and ugly, and you know, you might not make it through because you're you're too kind or whatever." I have not found <laughs> that at all. I found that actually being kind and being good and being compassionate, which is part of my vision statement, um, actually supports business. It actually grows business, and, and you become more profitable, mm-hmm. and you can do good. So, so I'm I'm totally I'm totally drink I'm drinking the Kool Aid. I need to learn more and uh and i i think um i appreciate uh christy's straight doc so there are some takeaways yeah, for me for sure and dave for the listening audience why don't you uh remind us what your vision statement is uh vision a, coaching. a world that is transformed um or sorry a world that values and is transformed by creative resilient and compassionate leadership oh boy i'm so glad you didn't forget that i almost did you almost remember the bus buddy <laughs> 
You know, um, the theme, my, my, my biggest takeaway, of course, is the discussion we had about you could become, we'll just use the word billionaire. Um, I, you can find great success uh, through destruction or great success through uh, life. So if you choose the destructive path, uh, you just have to ask yourself why. Like uh, it's, uh, it, maybe it's easier. I, it's, it's quite possibly much easier to go with the flow and maybe go the Kevin O'Leary route. Uh, maybe it takes more guts and balls to go the, the Branson route. Um, the other part is my takeaway is, and I had this before we, I even reached out to Christy is it's time for like, we're already living the B Corp philosophy. It's now time to get uh, bound into it. So there's no temptation because, you know, we we do work in advertising and marketing and we do support things that I don't think we'd be allowed to after we become certified. And I'm ready for that challenge. That's scary because we're talking about cash here, Dave, you know, and, mm -hmm. uh, but that's exciting for me. And uh, one last note on, uh, on uh, Chrissy's incredible forthrightness, which I think is great, is uh, um, when, when we see what Jerry Pond did, uh, and I, I'm just going to use like uh, startup entrepreneurs who build something huge, who exit with resources, um, and when I, when I mention Volta and I mention uh, what Gavin Uma is doing up in uh, Cape Breton, these are guys who, like the guys from Go Instant, for example, who had a successful, not exit, but they, they sold to Salesforce. And I, I don't know if it's a maritime thing or a technology thing, but they wanted to reinvest that into more people like them. And mm -hmm. that's what Jerry did. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think is we need to encourage and celebrate those stories. And because uh, we're going to see a ton of success, uh, successful companies come out of, the, out of the region. And if they know already that it's cool as part of the, the culture to, you know, to exit and to give back by producing more of them, <laughs> you know, and if we can start a revolution and a movement of, you know, based around B Corp philosophies or, you know, just uh, profit for good and social <coughs> um, or sorry, conscious capitalism, um, then we've got a bright future and we don't have to worry about losing all the millennials and we don't have to worry about the, you know, depleting all of our natural resources. We've got brains and we've got people who are ready to affect the world all from Atlantic Canada and they really can. So that's my takeaway. And I hope that next time I see her, we can be together, man. Yeah. Well, hey, and it will be well. And I just, one last point on, and then, and then I'll let you do the rap that you do so famously and brilliantly, um, is, um, Sorry. is that we, we did, we had, we failed to mention, and this has been, we were, you know, that, and you, I haven't seen Christy, but is she, did she look, did she look pretty tough? Because I want to see this cage match with Kevin O'Leary. Well, um, she, she brought a mouth guard and, um, and I, I noticed you know how wrestlers how they have little razors in between their finger in their fingers you know so they can slice their opponent in the ring she's got a couple of those all right so she'll be she'll be okay yeah. and we're gonna, she'll, let's get the let's we're gonna get go the for a beer range. after this actually i don't even know if she drinks beer but uh we're gonna go for a drink of some sort and continue this conversation i don't know if i'm allowed to talk wow. who are you sorry where'd right you come from but when i just want to leave because i made this i made all these little digs at kevin o'leary and kevin o'leary he's a bane because the O'Leary name was synonymous with social justice forever. Mackenzie Papineau's The Spanish War, uh, social activism, and then Kevin O'Leary comes up and it's like, you messed with my mythology. It's the story, right? So now I have to fix the story. I can't wait for you to read my article. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. But I, I, think, okay. I, I honestly think a cage, a cage fight could fix it all. I love it. It's, it, it's, it's <laughs> Scout versus... 
who, who scouts uh, O'Leary versus O'Leary? O'Leary versus O'Leary. Ah, it's the O'Leary O'Leary exchange. Okay. Well, listen, uh, thanks everybody for listening and share this podcast. You know, they, uh, the guests that we're getting on here are incredible. And like I always say, um, the amount of learning and education that we can get from just conversations, like these are conversations that we'd have at the pub. These are conversations we'd have, you know, on the street, uh, but we're recording them. And, uh, you know, so I, we really, Dave and I feel that people can benefit for this, for sharing it. So please subscribe on iTunes. Um, if you have Stitcher, you can hear our, our latest episodes every week, and uh, we release them every Monday. So check us out on Facebook uh, with the Boiling Point, and Twitter is Boiling Point Pod. Whew! And that's it. So it's actually truly getting hot in here, even though I've got a bigger booth than you do, Dave. So that means it's time to cut it out. It is Miller time. Miller time. See you later. See you, buddy. Oh, it's Pickaroons time. Pickaroons. There you go. I'm in Nova Scotia. It's Garrison time. And they're getting their B Corp Pickaroons. Yay. Really? Sean's a good friend of mine. They're in the process. Good Lord. We're going to keep talking. Oh, so now I feel so good about drinking dark and stormy. (laughs) (laughs) See you guys. Yippee IPA, Dave. Yippee IPA. (laughs) (laughs) See you later. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com. And on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback.